this is probably a better answer to this question. There, there hasn't really needed to be a lot of standard setting, to be completely honest. I don't know if it's that I have a, a good sense of, of a person kind of at the beginning of, of meeting them, but every single person that I've hired in Podigy has, has been phenomenal, like beyond phenomenal. The connections that I've made, the people that, that are involved are fantastic. They do their own standard setting. They just do good work. Hey, welcome to Building Bigfoot, the podcast where we talk about building your business profitably. If you raise a ton of money and you're venture capital based and you grow big, you're a unicorn. But if you are a regular business and uh, you're an entrepreneur and you have a dream and you go out there and you uh, are self-funded and you have success, well, you got to be something else. You're a Bigfoot. So this podcast is for all of the Bigfoots out there. And I am excited to interview Justin. So Justin Moore is... Uh, amazingly talented i would put you in the category of what like like musician uh creative sure, yeah, musician, audio yeah. engineer yeah. uh all of the above like uh we'll, which you'll get into in a second and he's the genius that is behind the scenes on all of this podcast so when you think oh this guy sounds okay or this podcast <laughs> seems like it's edited well it's not me it's 100 percent justin so uh, I'm really excited because this is a great topic. So we want to get into, we're going to talk about Justin's life, a little bit how he got into this, but also podcasting and maybe how you could uh, invest in podcasting in your business because it is such a fast growing opportunity for a lot of people today. So, uh, and, and, and uh, Justin works with everybody. Uh, he works with people who are real estate agents like the Stone Sisters who are building a thriving business. And uh, he's, he works with, uh, yeah, just, just a wide spectrum of uh of professionals and uh, business leaders in the space. So, Justin, why don't you share a little bit about your backstory and maybe even sure. uh, so? So we met through a mutual friend, uh, Aiden. Yep. And and uh, yeah, so I want to share a little bit of backstory, how you got into uh, into music, and and maybe a little bit about um, kind of what started happening in Europe with 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 your uh, your recordings, which is really cool. Yeah. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me. It's weird being on the other side of this, but it's, it's cool. Um, so when I was, well, when I was very young, I was introduced to a lot of music because my parents are, uh, opera singers. So both my parents are very, very high caliber opera singers because they, uh, graduated both of them from Juilliard in Manhattan. Um, and my dad went on to tour around Europe singing opera and, um, so around my house was was very musical all the time. There was lots of classical stuff. My dad really liked uh, rock music as well. Um, my my mom uh, did a lot of Broadway music. So there was a huge um, different. There was a huge sphere of of types of music, genres of music, and um, I think when I was really young, um, that just sort of got ingrained in me in in a lot of different ways and. Just being being surrounded by that all the time, I guess I just developed some type of um, singing voice from probably just mimicking my my parents and all the people that they would teach. Um, they taught a lot of singing when they um, when I was young, and there was just like hundreds of people coming in and out of my house, like taking lessons and constantly hearing my dad like, "Oh, you should you know use the air like this." And and I think like even though you're really young and you don't actually know know exactly what that kind of stuff means it's like it's it's sort of building a like a it, it's it's building the scaffolding to how you're you're imagining these concepts of singing and music and 
Um, and so I, yeah, I listened to my parents all the time. I listened to them sing, come around with rehearsals to rehearsals with them all the time, went to all their shows. They did tons of shows. Um, and this is just like flooding into my brain, like all the time, right? Like it's just so, um, synonymous with who I am. And so my, my parents, uh, my mom still teaches, um, but my dad actually stopped singing and he went and started a, uh, a business like, um, a trades business. Um, because the other side of my family is, uh, they're pump installers. So like water well, um, like deep well pump install installations to pump water up to like rural homes that don't have access to like commercial water supplies. And, um, so my dad just like loves this. Like he, he loves it as much or more than he loves singing, which is, which was really weird. Um, when he made that switch about seven or eight years ago, because I got to see, I got to see how passionate he was about something like just running a, a, a basic business. Um, whereas before my whole life had been very like focused on only the creative aspects and, and like the world of opera is just highly creative. So I got a really good, like well-rounded, um, picture of what things could be like for my parents because my, my dad was just very good in business. And my, my mom, my mom as well, like really, really my mom as well, but also just the hyper, hyper creative side of, of life. And so I think that really plays into like what I'm doing now because I, I'm running a, uh, the podcast company, which is sort of like, sort of like a pseudo marketing media company because the podcast production side of things is obviously a big part of it, like producing the audio and all that stuff. But the other side of it is that you're, you're doing a, you're running a business where the platform is just communicating with people, right? Like that's, that's essentially what it is. Like when you, when you break it down, it's just like your, the podcast is being listened to by humans. And so there's like a lot of marketing that you have to think about. Um, and so I think, um, and then the other side of my life is, is my music that I write. And I, I write a lot of songs. Um, I went on a really long journey of a lot of different paths with music. Never thought I would really, um, I never really thought I would take it to, to the highest level because I never wanted to reach any kind, like I never really, really, really wanted to achieve any kind of fame, um, from music. I really didn't want to, um, I didn't want to like have a life of constant moving around and traveling and zero stability. So I decided that I was going to probably not do that. Um, and so I didn't really know that there was a way to make money from music unless you were touring. Everybody said that like I, um, when I started kind of going viral on social media, cause that happened as well. Um, I, I got approached by a couple labels who would talk to me and I tell them I'm, I'm never going to tour by the way. Like I, you're never going to get me to go on tour. Um, which maybe like, I don't know, maybe I'm missing out on something and maybe that's even possibly a small mistake, but I, I don't think I care. Like, I think I know, uh, from what happened to my dad when he was touring, I just don't want to do it. Um, so I, I got like immediately turned down by like so many people because I didn't want to tour. They're like, well, how are you ever going to make money? Um, so, I mean, that was kind of the end of it. I was, and then I started writing some dance music in Europe actually met my fiance because I wrote a song with this dude in Europe who, who she knew and then she heard it and then she traveled to Canada and we met. So dance music actually led me to my fiance now, but it also, um, it opened up a huge, a huge opportunity for me because there's very few singers in the dance music industry. And, uh, I, I got approached by a, a few people to write some songs for them, paid very well. 
And then I realized that it could pay very, very well, especially the quicker you are, because every song that you write, you can sell for a high fee. Um, I'm talking like, like lowest a thousand euros, but more like, you know, between a thousand to 3000 euros per song. And then you also get uh, cut into the royalties. So you're making passive income, like every time that it gets streamed. So I realized that like just writing a lot of songs and selling them off to the like hundreds of thousands of DJs, mostly in Europe is like a really profitable way to, to do music and to also like still write and do what you love. And so I started doing that. So I've written like 200 songs in the last probably six months. I've sold like wow, that's 75 wild. to, yeah, like 75 to a hundred songs. I was writing three a day for months. Um, and I haven't released a ton of them yet because it takes a long time from somebody purchasing to, to actually releasing these songs. But, um, and why, but is getting like why, a million. why does it take a long time? Cause they have to actually produce it. Um, I send them an acapella. So I've got like just the, you know, the, the bass vocal, some harmonies, some backing tracks, maybe some ad libs and stuff. And then they have to build a whole song around it. Um, and sometimes if they're really inspired, they'll do it within like a month, but if they're not, and they're, you know, maybe backed up with a lot of stuff, then it can take like up to a year before the song actually comes out. But they pay me up front, which is great. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I don't really care when they release it as long as they eventually do. Um, but I'm getting around a million streams a month on my like 20 songs that are out right now. Um, but it's, that's, that sounds like a lot, but it's, it doesn't feel like a lot because um, my, like my goal this year was to reach 50 million streams. And I might still achieve it, but now that Podigy has taken a bit of a different route, I've been spending way less time writing songs and way more time on the podcast production side of stuff. So there's like, there's a ton of different pe like roads that I've went down. That's why it's really hard to describe like where I am now because there was the, there was like Fiverr, which I started music on, which I made my, in my living from for like three years while I was going through business school. Then I dropped out of business school to pursue like writing my own songs. And then I did dance music. And then I um, started Podigy and then I blew up on social media and I was making like most of my money from my social media posts on like TikTok and stuff. I was getting like millions and millions and millions of views, like like probably like 10 to 15 million views a month, like just tons and tons of views on my videos. And then back to Podigy, then back to writing songs. So it's kind of like lots of different streams of stuff, but I... Um, yeah, that's it's it's just complicated to try and like explain how I got to this exact spot, but um feel good where I am now. Yeah, it's super cool. So you uh so we so you obviously have always been interested in music. I mean, coming from your family, your your parents Absolutely. um being both very talented musicians and uh growing up in that. You know, it's my girls and my uh, six and four. Uh, music is something I think every kid loves. Like yes. it's <clears throat> it's, it's deep inside the soul. You 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 just um, love it. Not everybody has the talent for it, but I think everybody loves it. And yeah. Uh, and what's interesting about your story is obviously this is like a big passion of yours, and you've you've been kind of navigating life without having necessarily like the need for clarity of what the outcome's going to look like, but just yeah. accepting the opportunities as they come your way, but knowing for sure you know some of the things that you don't want it to look like, and yeah. Usually, um, you know, fast forward like 10 or 20 years, that ends up crafting new paths for other people because then they say, oh, that's possible. I didn't know that was possible. Um, yeah. 
and I think that's that's really neat. Uh, you can think of a lot of people who've who've succeeded in business uh, through sport, or they succeeded in business through other means. But at the time, everybody thought that was a terrible approach because yes. it just seemed so counterintuitive. Or even the dropouts, like you know Zuckerberg dropped out of college. Uh, yep, all these 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 dropouts, and yet you know, it, looking back, you think, oh, every every move they made was right, and yep. uh, it's not necessarily that every move they made was right, but their compass was right, which is yeah they had they had some type of guiding yeah or, their decision making yeah. framework was right so they they made decisions yeah. that were in alignment with with the things that they loved to do and and they were creating a life that ultimately they liked and I think that's that's such a neat part of your story so so you go to Europe and and your your music really like you said has taken off it's really really taken yeah. off there and yeah totally. Um, and that's that's pretty cool. Like, is that you know when you go somewhere and you can hear your like a song that you've written getting played, that's got to feel kind of neat, right? It's super weird. Like I, um, I think, I think when I first started the, the dance stuff, I, I had I had one guy play um, like the first dance song that I ever wrote. Actually, the one that connected me with my fiance. He played it in just like a club in Italy. Um, and he sent me a video of as he was playing it. And there was like probably like four or five hundred people like jumping to the to the song. And that's like my voice singing, which is really cool. And then <clears throat> and then honestly, like I, I got I got pretty deep into the dance industry and I and I'm connected with a lot of other singers that are doing what I do. And you see them like posting stuff of DJs headlining like the biggest events in the world, like hundreds of thousands of people in the audience and so i think like it really diluted how cool it was that like people were playing my songs and like clubs and stuff but um but people like there's there's been a couple guys who have played tracks of mine for probably like five or six thousand people at like um at events and they're like they're like pretty pretty famous djs like around around certain parts of europe um so i think from the from the, I think this is like with anything, but from the outside, it, yes, it's, it's, it's incredibly cool, but I'm very, like, I'm very goal oriented. Um, what, whether that's a, a good thing or a bad thing, it's sometimes up for debate, but I just kind of see it as like, oh, like, yes, it's cool, but I still want to like, I want to get to, to that next spot. I want to get to where the other singers are getting, where the guys are playing it at the biggest events in the world. Um, but yeah, if you go on my Instagram, I have like a spot where it's just like, like stories of DJs playing these tracks and people singing along to the, the songs and like the DJ singing along with my voice on stage and everyone just like, it's, it's really cool. And then when the drop comes, I just love how like the, the lights go up and the smoke and everything. And it's just like, it's like, I'm, it's so weird. Cause it's like, I'm there. Like, it's like, it's me performing, but it's not it's like, it has nothing to do with me at the same time. So very strange feeling, very, very, um, well, I guess the feeling that every songwriter gets when um, when their song gets played in a big setting or when it's on the radio or blows up or something like that. Yes, it's so it's so fascinating to me because you, you like that's yeah, those are big numbers. I mean, million plays, uh, getting in front of these massive audiences, six thousand people, five hundred people. Totally, these are these are big big events, and uh, and it's really really cool. You know, there's this. It's both. I, I get what you're saying. Like it's both motivating, 
because you're you're looking and you're like, oh, there's another level. There's there's like I I can go, you know, this can get taken further. And then yeah. it also can be like a little bit um humbling because you're like, okay, but they're like look at that level, you know, and, yeah. and look at where I am. And I think somehow there's this um uh there's this like knack of being able to see things like and say, okay, you know, there's another level. And then, mm-hmm. but at the same time, don't let that diminish the exactly. impressiveness of the success that you've already achieved. Because you, there's this, um, uh, maybe you've heard of it, there's this bias uh, that exists for people who are at the top of their game. Mm-hmm. And um, and they tend to underestimate the uh, the level that they're at. So, Of course, um, always. Yeah, and you'll see this with yeah. like the world's best uh, programmers. This is very, very common. Like the world's mm-hmm. best programmers, uh, they think in their mind that what they can do is just normal. Anybody can do it. It's not impressive. But mm-hmm. if you look at the scale of the world's best programmers versus like, versus, like the world's, you know, like average engineers, mm-hmm. the world's best ones are 10x, not just on productivity, but the way they solve problems, the way they... It's it's amazing the difference it makes, and then that's just against the average. And then you also have the world's worst developers. <laughs> so, of course, it, yeah. It, my my thought on my thought on that like is this: it's something that that I think about all the time. Um, and actually, it's good having my fiance, um, like having somebody so close to me in my life now, watching what I'm doing and um, literally listening to me record my songs all day, like right outside my studio. Um, because obviously, like, I have a studio in my in one of our bedrooms, um, and to be reminded that, like, to have that other person remind you, okay, like, it, you know, it's it's still freaking awesome what's happening right now. Like, even though, but I do think that I'm a very extreme person. Like, I'm I'm I live in a way where, um, like, I I when I go, I I go, and when I don't, it's hard for me to, to do anything. And, um, and so I think that the people that do succeed on like the highest levels, um, I always wonder like if, if it's, if they would have ever gotten there, had they not had that mindset of, of not being able to slow down and appreciate the, the small wins because it's just a constant, it's just a constant hunger for the vision, like in the, in the you know, in the future. Um, so I do know that it's probably, it's probably better for me to sometimes just appreciate what's happening, but also that's just not necessarily like my personality type. And I definitely would not be anywhere near where I am now if I was sitting around appreciating, um, because I'm, I have a very deep hunger for like the next step. Um, which yeah, like I fully admit there's, there's positives and negatives to that. And I don't know which outweighs which. Um, I've heard lots of people say that you should take life slow and simply and don't worry about things. And then I've heard other people be like, you know, set your goals and achieve them through whatever means necessary when you're young and work as many hours as you can when you're young and build a, you know. And so I I don't know. I'm just doing what what comes naturally at this point because I kind of fed up with, uh, with um, the advice industry. In, in a lot of ways. So I, but, but I do still follow a handful of people who I really admire and respect. And I take 
their advice, but I do see things like on Instagram all the time, like, oh, slow down and pre and then like, oh, keep, you know, like work 24 hours, seven days a week. Like, you know what I mean? There, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of wisdom to that because um, there, uh, there's a lot of people who are sharing advice, not from a place of having success in it, but actually a place of, of uh, having a sense of regret. And so then they yeah, look at that's that. That's a big point. Yeah. And then they look at that regret and they think, okay, what was the opposite of what I did? And I'm going to share that as advice, but not and knowing. And you think that that's a good? Oh yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But not knowing it. that they were actually yeah. on the right track. Yeah. And they just stopped. And they just stopped. And, and, and yeah. it was really their mindset. That is the problem. It's nothing to do with how <laughs> they were doing it. It's just the, the way that they were feeling they were caring. And there is a difference as well. Like, you know, I'm thinking about, so, you, you know, you've spent a lot of time in Italy. I've, I love Italy. I've spent a little bit of time there. There is, yep. there is a huge difference between hunger, whether it's the artistic creative type of hunger or the desire for, for, uh, you know, the pursuit of, of the next thing and actually just like enjoying the taste of what's in front of you in the moment. So it's a big difference. There's yeah, a huge between, difference, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's, and, and, you know, because you're sitting down and saying, wow, this is, this is like a really delicious food or whatever it is. Yeah. That's not the same as being, I'm going to stay full for a long time or I'm maybe I'm not even full, you know, mm -hmm. maybe I'm just like, I'm just enjoying the journey. And, yeah. um, and, and for myself, uh, that's something I have to get really intentional with because I'm wired a little bit more like you are where, yes. uh, we well, run businesses, right? Like, yeah, that's, that's I feel like that's a, that's something that happens to people who run businesses or that's, that's how they got to that spot. It has to be, you know, you don't just fall into a, a successful business. It's like pain <laughs> like it, it, and thinking and love but there's also you gotta be so passionate about it to do all the learning you got to become an expert and then you got to build the whole thing around the expertise and it's like a yeah well it's a it's it can be dangerous too because you can fall into the future state so um absolutely where you're like okay i will stop and savor this meal when i'm when I've reached whatever arbitrary like point in time or, or success that I've set as myself. And that bar yeah. never goes away because what yeah. happens is time moves on. And what I thought was an impressive mountain to climb when I was a kid or when I was in my 20s or when I first started, like, you know what I mean? Um, becomes not so impressive when I'm actually there because when you're in it. Yeah. Cause, cause I didn't, I didn't even subconsciously notice that the, that the mountain was built, like was increasing in my mind. And yeah, because as you're building up to the goal, you're becoming more successful, and by the time you reach it, you've changed the whole. Yeah, you you structure. see the next you see the next mountain range, and so now your yeah. your mind is focusing on that. And so, I was talking to this guy um, this last week, and it was mind boggling because uh, he's talking to me about travel, and he's saying how, um, and he's in his sixties, and um, and he was he was just talking about going out of out of um, out of Europe and or out of uh, North America, and he said, "Oh, I've I've never actually traveled. I've never traveled." And I thought, "Oh, that's crazy." And he's like, "He's like, but I will once I've retired, and I've got a date mm -hmm. of when I'm going to retire." And I was like, "Oh, that's such a dangerous place to be because, you know, when when a person retires, their world doesn't change. Like their 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 mindset is the same as it was before they retired. Maybe they mm -hmm. the way they viewed money is the same as the way their their habits are the same. Their behaviors are, they're the same person. They're just retired. Yeah. And so, 
Um, so there's two things there. And then the second part of it is just like, well, who's to say you will live that long? Like, yeah. No, so or be healthy by the time you retire. Or... Yeah. So, so we gotta like, we gotta choose to do the things, um, you know, while we are, we are, uh, you, you know, in the year as it is. So for example, like in the case of this guy, I know him. Um, I've known him for a bunch of years. I just never knew they hadn't traveled. And right. um, he's he he could just basically go and, um, you know, yeah, it would be a sacrifice. Maybe it would extend his retirement a month, but you can go and take that trip for a month. And yeah, of course. Um, but I think for him, the, the, the fear is probably what's holding him back. It's like the fear of the unknown, or maybe it's like, it's a big thing in his mind. So start with yeah. a really small trip, go for like a two day trip somewhere local, and then make it a mm-hmm. three day trip somewhere a little further than a four day trip somewhere else. And then all of a sudden you're doing a week trip in, in another country and then a two week trip and then a three week trip. Like you, yeah. you discover it's number one, it's not so scary. It's not so hard and it's not as expensive as you think it might be. And, um, and before you, you know, now you've got like a a whole repertoire of really cool experiences to look back on and say, that was, I did it. And I did it when I could. Cause well, it's sure, it's, it's sure convenient to have a, um, to have a, like a reasonable excuse to not do something like traveling. Like it, it makes sense, right? Like it logically, okay, we'll wait till, wait till I retire and then, you know, I'm going to be less busy and I'll have more money. And, but it's really yeah, like you wonder, um, I even just think about myself, like you, you can come up with these logical excuses that make perfect sense, but there's still, there's still excuses. And if you are, um, afraid of traveling the way that I was afraid of traveling before I went to Italy, um, yeah, I mean, you, you might, uh, you might never get to the, you might never get there. Like what happens when the retirement comes and then there's the next excuse? Well, you know, my knee, I got a knee surgery. I'll go after that or then that, you know, so I know exactly what you're saying. It's a good, a good point. Yeah, no. And so now, um, you're, you're doing, so you're obviously got prodigy. Prodigy is a great name because it sounds very much like prodigy. <laughs> Except and- it's yes, but honestly there's, there's come a problem with it. Um, which is that, so when I came up with that name, uh, with my mom, actually, my mom is a genius when it comes to stuff like that, like words. Um, she's a really good writer. So I would text my mom like, hey, I need need some names. I'm, I'm going to try and start this podcasting company. And I really need some names for like a play on words with podcasting. And so she came up with Podigy. And I was like, that's awesome. And made the whole company. Everything like like six months later, I went and um, did like a Google search. And sure enough, there's like a, a pretty prominent Podigy within the podcasting industry. <laughs> already and uh they're from toronto so they're also canadian so that's not like a way that you can distinguish the two um so i mean it hasn't been it won't be a huge problem i don't think for us because we we work with like a small amount of clients so we don't need like a lot of like market share or anything like we're not doing we're not doing like large-scale marketing um uh like any any kind of that, so we 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 don't need. We, I don't think that like the average consumer is going to be like confusing us with somebody else. We kind of just have like the customers we work with and kind of growing, but not going to ever be that big. So, but that's just something really annoying about that. It is such a good name, and I swear we didn't steal it, but it's still like it's just a it's just a dagger. That's that's funny. Um, it's uh, you know that can happen. Right, that can yeah. happen, and uh, uh, definitely, um, 
recommend trying to trademark it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, just true. send the application in, and uh, and that's usually. Uh, it's not even that you would ever use it. It's just more so yeah. you can keep using the name, and or totally. you could also trademark it in Italy, and then you can you could do the business out of Italy, which is totally legal. True, because you can have trademarks are are uh, um, are set nationally, and uh, mm-hmm. trademark laws will say you can do business out of any nation. So two clothing companies can have the same name, be based oh. out of two different con- com- countries, and actually mm-hmm. sell to both countries as long as they're right. selling from the country of origin. Um, that's that's very good to know yeah so i yeah. the reason i know this is because i used to have a clothing company and uh, oh <laughs> yeah and there was a i had no idea about that that's cool. yeah like years ago and so um and i started in canada and then like shortly after like like right around the same time another company based out of the uk uh started another company named identical and wow um and had the same uh like target demographic so it was oh just gosh. like so it was like similar uh aesthetic and it was confusing because you, you would think okay this is and then um immediately they were much more uh different uh uh than than i was in the sense that they sent mm-hmm. me these like uh cease and desist uh trademark oh, infringements. oh wow really but i own the canadian trademark and so um the it uh because that was like one of the first things i did is mm-hmm. um I, I literally like to apply for a trademark is so much easier than people realize. I went and found yes. brands that were similar to the, my brand, mm-hmm. copied what they said in their trademark, and sent the application off. And it was like easy, that was yeah. It. That's um, cool. I should really do that. And yeah. it, was, it was that was that's easy. And so then, um, but then I discovered that uh, there was never a concern, even if I didn't own the trademark, because uh, we were in different in different countries, yeah, countries. Um, yeah. And then they basically were like. Oh, you seem like a really cool guy. Yeah, we'll just keep building businesses in parallel. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. So they send you a cease and desist, and they're like, "Oh no, you're cool." <laughs> no, after we like connected, a little like communicated, they were like, "Oh, never mind, just ignore that." Oh, yeah, that's weird. Yeah. So if this comp, if this other company was in the states, then it would be fine. It right? would be fine. This Podigy. Yeah. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. Wow. Yes. Being the fact well, that you're both in Canada, yes. um, is is the the tricky part. So. Uh, and you can even have the same trademark, but different um, businesses. So one might be right. like you, you can have like a, a car company named Podigy mm-hmm. and you could have a podcast company named Podigy, but you can't have that's where the because obviously it becomes like, would that ever create confusion? But that's a whole nother thing. That's um, totally. Yeah. But businesses <laughs> have to deal with this every single day, right? Because absolutely, yeah. You know, you're you're constantly looking like, okay, what name hasn't been taken, and and what's it being yeah. used for, and um, yeah, that's quite the thing. So now back to to um, to podcasts, uh, yep. like so so you like how did you first get into like did you meet somebody with somebody like how did that work? Well, I was really. I was really good at editing audio and mixing voices because I had been like writing my own music and um, producing my own music and doing all that stuff. And also like at that point on Fiverr, I had done like 400 orders in like a year and a half. And every single one of those orders is like a full song that I had sung for somebody and mixed my vocals and like edited my vocals and everything. So I was getting really quick at like, seeing the spots to edit and like how to mix them and everything. And then um I 
this it feels so funny to say, but I actually like I I started a we started a um my friend and I started a, like a, a media slash marketing slash production company before I had any freaking clue what any of that even entailed or or what a really what a business was. I had a good sense for business. I've always had a good sense for like business and sales, but I, I no research to back this business up. So we just like started it and um he was a videographer and I was a audio engineer. So we had like a what a decent amount of the services um, like a, a nice service package that we could cover with video and, and audio and everything. And, um, we did a couple podcasts and I, I just, I really liked editing them. Um, and I also, I also knew that because I was listening to so many podcasts and I kind of saw how the industry was starting, starting to pick up and, and I saw that like a while ago, this was like 2019 and I was still, making most of my money on Fiverr. So I had a nice cushion. Uh, it's not like I was jumping into a, like a, an unknown abyss when I was starting like a business. It's not, wasn't my only income source. I've always had a few income sources going so that I can like, try stuff out and still be safe. Um, and, uh, so I, so then we edited a couple podcasts and I realized that the video wasn't really working with the podcasting thing. And, and I kind of, I kind of wanted to to break off and sort of do my own thing with with podcasting and see what that exactly would entail. And he was sort of feeling the same thing. So, um, like he's one of my best friends and all good. So we just broke that off, and I went and just decided I was going to go full time on the podcasting thing. And I started the business. Um, did kind of any audio editing that I could do to get my foot in the door. Um, I I got connected with this guy named Matt McDuff. He's a uh, very famous mountain biker, actually. So I think he's like sponsored by Monster and stuff. One of the things that he did was he, I think he rode the, I think he has the world record for riding a um, a loop, like the loop jumps or whatever, um, the, the biggest loop jump of all time. I, th- I think that's his world record. I I might be wrong about that, but wild. Um, he's he's insane. He's so so cool. Such a good guy. And he had this podcast that was getting like five thousand or six thousand downloads an episode. Like he had hundreds of thousands of downloads on his podcast, and he needed his episodes edited. So I was like, yeah, sure, like fifty bucks, whatever. I'll edit the audio. So I started editing the audio and liking it even more. And then I just realized, like this, the audio is just, it is just a one piece of a massive puzzle of what is happening here. So then I started looking around even more and like getting more interested in this. And I realized, okay, there's actually like only a handful of established podcast production companies. So immediately I was like, this is like a, this is a gold mine. And, uh, and I really need to get moving on this because like there's something happening here and, um, I really want to be prepared when it comes. And thank God I did because this industry was really hard, really, really hard to learn. Like all the pieces of making this company, there was no, there's, there's no, there's no pathway. Like there was no tutorial on how to build a business like this. Whereas I think there's a lot of other business. Um, I don't think I know there's a lot of other industries, uh, in which you can just kind of look at all the top companies and what they're doing and uh, figure out how they got to where they are and, and sort of build your own path um, using that information. But for this, it was like, well, I was editing audio and then they said, well, can you also like post the podcast for me? I said, okay, yeah, I can figure out how to do that. So then I figured out hosting and then they were like, well, I also like 
want something to share when I when I released the podcast. I was like, okay, well, let's figure out how to make some content. So figured out how to make the content, hired a graphic designer, got a bit busier, couldn't handle all the audio anymore. So hired an audio editor. And then I was kind of looking at marketing, like I, I really want to, I want help growing this thing. And I was like, okay, well now I got to learn how to grow this thing. So then I went and did that and created a little bit of thing for that. And, and then people say, well, now I want to use video and like, oh my gosh. So then video and, and then also like huge part of podcasting is the writing for each episode. Well, I don't know how to write sales copy. So I bought a couple of sales copy books and they're sitting right there, learned about sales copy and, um, so every every single piece that I outsourced, I I became an expert in before I outsourced it. I don't I don't want to say I became an expert in sales copy. I didn't, but be, at least I became like well rounded enough that I knew what I should charge or what I should pay somebody to do, how long it should take in general, so that I don't get um so I'm not like spending a ton of money on something that I know nothing about, and um and all, then all of a sudden there's like this whole business behind me and um we're like a full service agency of of everything podcasting um we have copywriters now we have audio engineers multiple audio engineers graphic designers video editors uh virtual assistants project manager um and Celine and I Celine is my fiance we run uh the business so she's we you know we call ourselves CEO and co-CEO but it's just a sole proprietorship still. Um, we are going to incorporate very soon though, cause we're getting to a bigger level. So I am going to incorporate. Um, and then, but yeah, that's like a long winded way of saying that this business was like a three years in the making to get to where we are now. Um, and because I have several income streams and because my, in, my, my interests do change very frequently. Um, and I really can't stop myself if I'm interested in something. So I've just, I've just learned to kind of go um, go with that rather than fight that. And, um, so Podigy, you know, I, I, I've, I've had clients since the beginning, like I've had a, a handful of clients since the very start who have released like a hundred to 120 episodes with, with Podigy. But I really like, I wasn't, um, I wasn't thinking about growing it for, for quite a while. Like I was just kind of coasting and doing my music stuff. Um, and just in the last six months or so is when uh, my fiance and I now have, have like rebuilt the whole business from the ground up. We hired a business coach, which I'd highly, highly recommend traded his entire fee for his own podcast. Um, which was really, um, really reassuring to have somebody who I really respect, see such value in our service that he's willing to trade, you know, like multiple tens of thousands of dollars, um, for his program for, a complete trade pretty much for the podcasting service. So that was really good for us. Um, but now we're growing. Uh, we've got goals in, in place. We've, um, we're still like kind of learning as we go, but I'm really happy that I, that I did all the work to build this business a long time ago, because this is, I can guarantee you, this is not a business that you can, uh, just decide that you're going to start and hop into it. You have to have a handful of skills. I have to, I have to know what, what good podcast audio sounds like. And I also have to know how it's done because you just can't leave a core element of your business 100% in somebody else's hands, um, which I've found, I've really found out, which is why um, every piece of the business I have some type of expertise in. Some things I have very, very high expertise in and I can be the final check sometimes, but also I just know like what standard needs to be set at all points of the business. Um, but this company will a question. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think that's something that every, every business person 
struggles with at some point. Even mm-hmm. I just was listening to um, a another guy on a different podcast, uh, Entree Leadership, and the question came up was, hey, how do you set or hold standards with team? In this case, it was like content creation being done through mm-hmm. social media. And so how, like that's a, so you said two things. You said, okay, I've experienced having a part of the core of my business in the hands of someone else um, and it didn't go well. And then I also need to hold standards with the team even where it is going well. How, so how are you doing that? Like what was the story there? And then what's the learning lesson and how do you hold standards? I think that with podcasting, what happened at the beginning was um, because people don't really know what like really good podcast audio sounds like. And also because the business was so niche and undefined, the the whole industry. At the beginning, it was very like the, the quality was still there. It wasn't as good as it as it could be. And so over the last few years, in kind of all aspects of my life, I've been looking at sort of improving the overall quality of of everything that I do and taking everything very seriously and doing a lot of planning and making of of systems and things. And so like the audio the audio has always been good, but I'm constantly trying to improve it and I think that with the people that I've hired for Podigy there hasn't there hasn't needed to be a lot of this, this is probably a better answer to this question. There there hasn't really needed to be a lot of standard setting to be completely honest because I don't know if it's if it's that I have a maybe I have a a good sense of of a person um kind of at the beginning of of meeting them but every single person that I've that I've hired um in Podigy has has been phenomenal like beyond phenomenal the connections that I've that I've made the people that that are involved are fantastic um they do their own standard setting like they 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 just do good work and um and I pay them very fairly and I pay them extra whenever um whenever I see fit like if they do something extra I would prefer that I just give them an extra hour and and so I'm I've been I've been really realizing that like just adding on like being being generous with how how I'm um paying them and how much time I give them to do their work and everything has it's funny because it's like it seems like it's super generous but it actually it actually probably makes you more money in the long run. I've found because these people are are just really happy to be working working with Podigy. Um, but for for the standard setting, there there's like there's a lot of standards that need to be set in a business like this because we're delivering a lot of products. Um, like this new offer that we've designed for Podigy is we essentially we, we've got a niche client now, a, a nicher client that we're looking for. Um, it's going to be industry leaders and experts in. Uh, kind of focused in like the coaching um, uh, sector of of the market. So like fitness people, uh, like naturopaths, uh, nutrition experts, business coaches, um, people who 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 teach and and all these things. And um, one thing that they have in common is that they they should be creating a lot of content for social media and just in general, they should be creating a lot of content. It's gonna be like the main way they get their clients. And uh, one of the best ways to create content now just happens to be getting your face in front of a camera and talking about things that you're passionate about. And um, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's like, why why sit down with a notepad and come up with 30 ideas of what to post on Instagram for the next month 
when you can just record a few conversations with people that you admire and have somebody else do all the content creation for you and it's better content than you would have ever been able to think up yourself because it's actually real. Um, so it's literally a no brainer for me, um, when it comes to like what we're offering, but our actual, like the, the meat and bones of our, the meat and potatoes of our offer is like a client records four podcast episodes, um, every month. And we give them like 20 video clips, eight quote posts, uh, like four posts to feature each of their guests that come on the show. So they get a month of content for an hour a week. And it's, it's legit. Like it's, it's an hour of, it's an hour a week and they get an entire month's worth of content. Um, so our deliverable is very, very high. And so one of the biggest things that we've been doing over the last three months is just like, and this kind of comes into like the, your question is like the, the biggest thing that we've been doing in the last few months is just like getting the, the project management side of stuff, like sealed up, like who does what, where do they drop this file when they're done? Who do they notify? What button do they click on the project manage management software to trigger the next part of it? Like, how do we meet deadlines? Where's our shared calendar going to be? What subscription platform should we be using to make this easier? Like really, really like mundane um, administrative uh, tasks um, that for some reason I love. I have no idea why, but I've loved what we've been doing over the last three months, which has surprised me. Like, I don't know why I love that, but we've been cleaning up all the back end of the business so that we have a lot of everything systemized. That way we can kind of step away from it a bit. Um, and yeah, we've, we've literally just been doing like groundwork, like mundane, um, like system building. And I've just loved it. Like I've loved every second of it. It's been great. And we're at a point now where this company is, um, like this business is probably going to, um, it's probably going to, to be my fiance's and mine is probably going to going to make us a very good living and we can travel with it and we love doing it. So, um, yeah, I keep like, I keep, it's like I keep rambling on these questions, but I just have so many thoughts. <laughs> that's a, that's a really interesting, um, approach. And the, one of the things that came to mind is you said, uh, I have no idea why I love this stuff, but it kind of makes sense because even when you were saying, you know, you didn't feel inclined to want to be on tour. Like you don't want to be necessarily um, on, on the stage all the time. And yeah. yet you, you seem to really enjoy setting up systems and some of the stuff more in the background, uh, yeah. which is really important to create a high, uh, high performance company, a high functioning company. Uh, mm. it, it, it sounds to me like, you know, maybe you've just got that wiring a little bit. Like it's just part of your, your natural, surprised me yeah. to be honest yeah and, and and that's and that's really cool like that's that's a huge strength of yours that that you have that and that, that you're doing really well now um, well I, I'll, I'll just say one thing about that which is just kind of it's just like funny and and interesting and I think um I, I love telling this and people usually find it kind of cool when I was really young um like 12 um I really liked playing video games like probably probably too much and um it's a whole other topic, but I, uh, I was always like a kid who, who really liked, um, kind of building projects and, and doing kind of things. And like, I would go door to door with my guitar and like play songs and stuff, or I would busk on the street. Like I really liked like making money from like the little things I was doing. And, um, actually 
the the wiring like the first time that i noticed it and my dad noticed it was i was playing minecraft like every other kid on the planet um and instead of playing the game um i came up with the idea of starting my own server so there's like servers on minecraft and you can make your own server and people can come on it and um they can donate to it if they want to see it continue anyway so like oh my gosh was that a lot of work but when i was like 12 i ended up starting this minecraft server and um had like you know employees that weren't getting paid but they just thought it was fun like they were playing a game and um but we were running like this server we were we were building things and i was doing like I was like uh, making posts on all like forums and things like about my my server and giving like special offers and ended up building like a pretty big Minecraft server and we made like a made multiple thousands just on people donating to the server and um and that was when I was like 12 and it's it's it seemed so kind of silly at the time and I didn't think like I didn't think much of it but I think back to like that I think back to the the Minecraft server when I'm running this business, because it's literally the exact same thing. Like there were so many things that we, so many tasks that we had to, to do. And so many, we had such a long to-do list of what our plans were and, and, and all the things we needed to complete. And, um, and that was, I guess that was one of the, the first, the first times that I noticed that, um, yes, I love music and it does, it definitely feels like I'm supposed to love music and like I'm supposed to do music, but then there's also just this, like this, complete opposite piece which is the the business side business marketing building something that people want and um and that like that's exactly what i'm doing with my life now like i have the music and that's a business also that's a that is a business like in every way shape and form but it's very creative and then there's also prodigy which is more just a business like a um not as creative as a music but yeah so the wiring I think with the way that I'm wired is, is very, um, like, I don't, I don't know a lot of, a lot of people where, uh, where it's like that, like music plus the business. So. It's really cool. Um, you, some of the things there, um, you know, you, you, you shared that you've got this like natural way that you, um you 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 are like that you you i i keep thinking of the word play like it's like the natural way that you play and yeah. uh it i have this theory that if you look at a kid um especially kids of the age of like four or five or six and look at the things that they're naturally drawn to if yeah. you put them later in life like when they've think sometimes people go through a journey because they want to do um what uh society might be maybe values so they'll They'll become like a lawyer or they'll become a, yeah. a doctor because they're, they're, they're trying to do the thing that they think they're supposed to be doing or the thing that is getting a lot of praise in society. And yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and so then that, that becomes their compass for a little while. And then they discover that it's not really um, fun. And so then they, they leave that and they go somewhere else. And it's really fun for someone else. It's like there is a there's a lawyer or an engineer or a doctor who is in their sweet spot. They are absolutely. Yes. And uh, but then totally. they um, so then they find out what their what their sweet spot is later in life. And it turns out it's very much the things that they love to do when they were a kid. And yeah. And I think that there's uh, it, it's really like when you find that, like you're finding the way that you're intrinsically motivated and the stuff that you you love to do. 
and it ties back to that whole principle of um, when we are working in the things that we we really love, like whatever that is, um, then you know th- that day is just a fun day. And it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that that every day is going to be fun 100% of the time. No, of course. I know exactly what you mean by that. I was just going to, I was thinking that as you were saying that. Like you said, like the the uh, Minecraft servers, there's probably things in that time that wasn't fun or there was, you know, but you still did it because overall, like you're working in an area where you're, you know, there's curiosity. How does this work? It's interesting. You're building something. You've got uh, other people that you're coordinating and working with. And it's just, uh, and then all like, lo and behold, fast forward. And, and you're doing the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. And actually, one more thing about that server. Um, I had I had done one before that was uh, like I, I had actually done this a couple of times. And um, I still have like lifelong friends that I did that with. Like we, we started a business together and uh, they made, you know, they made a couple thousand dollars in the summer from these like these freaking donations that we were getting. We would give people like special features on the server if they donated. So it was like, a, you know, it was a cool way to, to do it. But, um, like I still have lifelong friends that I, that I still text like, you know, every month from that server, hoping to meet them one day. They live in like California. Um, but we started one and we brought someone in very close. Um, we brought them into the back end, the coding, we brought them into all of the permissions that like anything, um, that you could, everything that you that you could do like they had access to right they had access to all the passwords that we had everywhere and um and this is when i was like 11 right and i think this guy was probably like maybe 17 or 18 and one day um and this like this was my life at the point at this point like i this minecraft server i had i was in a, a band as well which i was like managing and doing as well so i had a couple things that i really loved doing but this was like like I was spending a ridiculous amount of time on this, just working on this and building things and um, coming up with ideas and managing people. And then uh, this guy, one night when I was when I was gone, um, he invited like a whole squad of people onto this thing. He gave them all permission to do whatever they wanted, and they like first of all they just destroyed everything like in the actual game itself, but in the entire back end, like they just demolished the whole thing. He changed all the passwords. Um, so I, I like, I experienced, if you can imagine like an 11 year old, it might've been yeah, 11 or 12 working on something for like two to three months and then experiencing overnight, all of that just being completely obliterated, like within a second. And I was, dev- I was, first of all, I, I don't think I've ever been that mad. Like to this day, I don't think I've ever been that angry. No one's ever, haven't, I, haven't, I don't think I've let anybody um, have that kind of opportunity to get me that way again. But I told, like I went and told my dad afterwards, obviously right away I told my dad, this was a big deal. Like this was, this was, and, and so I went and told him and I was, and um, he was obviously pissed, but he, he told me like, this is a really good opportunity to to learn something like this is what people can do um if you're not careful and honestly like i don't know i i think that that probably really helped me uh because nothing like that has ever happened again i i will hopefully never let anything like that happen again um but but yeah like overnight months of work for a kid too right like that's different than when you're an adult you can 
find ways to cope with that when you're an adult. But when you're a kid, that's that's hard to cope with. And uh, and yeah, then we started from square one, and then we built it up again, and um, and got no got no justice for that at all. Um, so pretty rough. <laughs> it's it's interesting, you know. I think anybody, you know, on a small scale, can relate to that. If, uh, you know, as a kid, like you build something and another kid comes along and smashes your sandcastle. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, ah, so mad. Yeah. <laughs> but then, um, but if you're doing something for months as a kid and somebody comes and smashes it, that is, that, that is just so, you probably feel violated. You feel. It's soul crushing. <laughs> soul crushing. You feel devastated. Yeah. This is like something that you find so, pa- like, why would, why would somebody do that? How could somebody do it? It's yeah. um, or kind of like similar. It reminds me of like house parties when people have a house party as a kid and then yeah. a bunch of teenagers come and they just trash the place and they're not thinking anything. They're not trying to be mean. Yeah. They're just, they're just being kids. And, um, and, you know, maybe one or two of the kids is like really angry because they got something going on at home that's bad and mm-hmm. dysfunctional and they're, they're just looking for an outlet, but they're not trying to be mean to that person. They're just, they're just yeah. looking for that, like that Avenue. And so, um, but then there is a like a, a real um, you know uh, there's a real consequence to that right because something gets damaged and it costs money costs time it costs um, it costs emotional um, and then but then how do you but it sounds like the conversation with your dad is like listen this sucked you know I was a victim of a like mm-hmm. a pretty serious you know, crime against a 12 year old kid who's put a lot of time and energy and passion into something that's legitimate. Like, mm-hmm. um, and then, um, but then through your dad, it's like, okay, let's switch that to how can I posture myself as a victor so that mm-hmm. I take ownership of how to ensure that um, life, uh, that this, this doesn't happen on repeat. And exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's really wise and it's it can be really hard to do. But then you also got to like as a kid, especially as an adult, too, actually, is allow that like grieving process because it can take as long as it takes because it really hurts. Right. Um, Yeah, absolutely. But then you get you get beyond it and then you learn, Okay, there are people I can really trust with things um, and that. uh, But I'm going to make sure this checks and balances like my wife worked at the bank. Banks are a great example of this. Every time you're doing accounting, like any accounting, so they'd go to the machines and they'd be taking money and they have to, and sometimes you have an envelope that was, um, that was empty and it would say a certain number and that number got mm-hmm. deposited in the account and, and you have an ethical dilemma in that moment. Do you say it was empty? Do you say that the number was off? Do you, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you can, you can easily, if you didn't have checks and balances in banks, um, uh, you know, fraud the system, eventually you'd get found at some point cause they have checks and balances all the way up, but they always have two people every time they have to sign off on both transactions. You know what I mean? So they, right. they have, they've set it up so that you can have a system where trust is built into it. And I yes. think that's like a really good thing. And and it's sort of like, okay, if I, um, oh, what's another example? Like the Roman empire was built on this, by the way, like they, they mm-hmm. built checks and balances into every system they had. Like if you were to be a Roman citizen, um, yep. not only would you have your, your plaque that tells you you're a Roman citizen that's sealed with wax, there's, yep. there's the name of seven citizens as well that were witnesses to the event that then can be like, have their testimony verified, but your name is right. also on the right. register of the city where you, you were born. 
And so right. you can, there's always like a check and balance. And so as long as there's checks cool. and balances, um, and also, like you said, that the character judgment that comes later in time, um, that can help prevent a lot of these, those things, but yep. But forgiveness, man. <laughs> yeah. That's the I most feel like important. As a kid, you bounce, you, you bounce back a, a bit quicker too, as a kid, which at least is good. Like you take things harder at the start, but then, you know, like get right back to it, you know? Yeah, um, totally. Because you, you have to. Um, and I was thinking about the, uh, the picture I had in my head was like, it's like lion cubs playing. Like mm-hmm. they're learning everything, right? They're learning how to hunt. They're learning how to do everything. But every once in a while, they, they jump on their, their, their dad or one of the, the, the dads and the, and the, you know, the pride of lions and they yep. get bit pretty hard. Yeah, right? exactly. They get and punished. They're, yeah. And they're like, ow, that really hurt. And so then they learn, okay. Um, but that's the point of play and like being a kid is like, you're learning boundaries, you're learning, um, and, and you, you want to make failure as safe as possible. So like, um, Oh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So you, you, you want to have like, number one, this, like have a space where you can be like upset about it. Number yeah. two, process it, learn tools of like mindset and everything else. But then totally. Yeah. That's a, that's a wild story. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, a lot of people go through it, right? A lot of people walk through it. And then, and then, um, then they can almost turtle. They can almost go inside of a shell and then not yes, realize course, that yep. that ceiling that they now have in life is a self-imposed one and that they can actually choose um, to let that ceiling get bigger, but set healthy um, habits and healthy checks and balances uh, to ensure that, they, that, that their growth is as unlimited as it can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's such yeah. a such a wild, wild, wild story. Um, so if um, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, and let's say they they're listening to this and they're thinking, "Man, I want to set up a podcast." This sounds like exactly the next strategy for my business. I'm I'm excited yep. by it. Uh, yep. How do they get How do they get in touch with you? Um, well, probably one of the best ways would just be to go to our Instagram, which is just Podigy Podcasts, um, or website is www.podigypodcasts.com um and and yeah i mean we're um we're we we've just like redesigned the whole business and we have just a killer offer for um for a business or for an, an individual um obviously like the person needs to have like a, a decently established business because it's not um like it's it's not it's not cheap but it's hugely, hugely valuable. Valuable. Um, so we are working mostly with like our our experts and industry leaders. Usually, those are people who are already decently established. Um, but it's it's your one stop shop for podcast, YouTube, uh, social media, like LinkedIn, your website, everything. Like it, it creates it creates your entire content sphere. With content that's actually good, because nobody, like nobody, nobody cares about the the corporate um, like stock photo or like obviously created on Canva posts um, anymore. It's 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 all about content with faces and people being excited about what they're talking about, and maybe there's a funny part or part that is interesting to somebody or or like eye opening. And uh, this is this is like the content that we're creating. Like we're giving people twenty clips a month, twenty podcast clips. Like there's just so much, so much value in there. And then you can also look back at your content on your Instagram or on your your social media, and you can be really like, you can be sure that 
you're really connected to all the content that you've been producing. And you're also really proud of how it looks because every time that you go and scroll through your posts, you're not seeing something where you're like, oh, like it doesn't really represent us or our company or me. It, it will represent you because it's you. Like you're the one talking. You're the one, you're the one who is like if if you have a guest on, they're answering your question. They're talking to you. So everything that you create, everything that comes out on your social media accounts, everything that it's all infused with you, your personality. And um, when the business coach heard that, uh, the first thing that he said is like, this is this is probably the number one way for somebody to grow uh, a personal brand because literally like every piece of content is infused with who you are. Even if it's not you talking, like if it's just a if it's just a the guest being featured, well, they're talking to you. Like you're involved. You can you can look at every post and remember what you were doing and who you were talking to and what that felt like. And and so it's a way to I think it's a way to create content with a bit a bit of soul. And and I think that's something that's oh, I like that that's lacking. Yeah, and create I, I, content I feel like with I feel soul. That, well, I feel that in myself, right? Because like, I've done the content creation game. Like I was releasing like four posts. I was posting like four times a, a week for a while yeah. on all social media. And it started with so much passion and it quickly became not. And uh, and so that's something that I I do feel closely connected with. Like not so much, I, I, I'm not being like, oh, I'm, you know, I I want to help like change lives and, 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 uh, and like, you know, make people like inspired nations and stuff. It's like, no, but not really. I just, I just want people to feel like to, to, to make content that, that doesn't take away from like the fire inside them, but like actually adds to that. And they can look through and just be really proud about every single piece of their business. And then also they just focus on running, running their business, like focusing on what makes the money, focusing on, on getting clients and, and running their day to day. Um, it's it's almost like outsourcing content without the soullessness of outsourcing content because well, I, I do feel like yep what i love about it for for myself is like i've found this process so much fun and cool yeah that's yeah, great to like, hear like we we get to hang out like like i get to hang out with with Justin Moore like you know like yeah. <laughs> i get to hang out with you for for an hour yeah and um, you know, I've, I've gotten to know you on a professional level, but now I feel like super connected to you on a, like a personal level too. And right. Where else can you get that? Like, yeah, in business? like it's other hard than to find if, if, you know, we were in the same, um, city all the time and we were like grabbing lunches together. Sure. Exactly. But it's, it's, um, but then the other thing I love about, um, the podcast, uh, in, in this case is. You know, I didn't pick a topic because I thought, oh, this is the topic that I think is going to have the necessarily the most um, direct um, impact. I picked the topic right. that I'm most interested in, which is. Yeah. And, and I think that's like really important because then every time um, we're talking, I'm listening. I'm listening to a person's like personal journey of growth. And, yeah. and discovery and 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 figuring out their own passions, but then also like what are some strategies that they're doing to grow their business? And I just like literally like it's the most fun experience. And so now like every time I've got a, like I've got another podcast, I'm like looking forward to it. I'm like, oh, it's, you look it's, forward to it. Yeah. So I would say it sounds like, and this is something that I that I 
I don't want to say advertise, but ad- advocate people to start podcasts for is sounds like it's it's a piece of your it's a piece of your business like the sphere. It's a piece of your business where you get to you get to do something where how do I say this the best way? It's it's all about it's all about passion. Like it's it's um it's a piece of your business where you get to be yourself, talk about what you actually like talking about, and that's it. And it's a creative platform for you, which is not so easy to to have as a business person. It's not easy to have a a creative outlet that relates to your business. It's very yes. like it could be a blog. You did blogging, you did blogging better than most people do blogging, but it's like it's it's probably one of the only ways for you to do something that builds your business, but also is just a, an outlet, like a creative outlet. If that's, does that like, is that kind of what that feels like for you? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's kind of so. what it's, I, yeah. Yeah. And it, and it all lines up with the whole, like, like build, build a, a life or a business you never have to retire from. Like it just, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it all falls into that whole philosophy. Um, yeah. Justin, I've really enjoyed this. Um, Me too. What's uh, awesome. Like what's something you want to leave the audience with? I would say if you have a business or you are um, like an entrepreneur or something and you're running your day-to-day business and you have, you have so many, so many tasks and so many things to think about. um, But you also love teaching and you love educating and you love what you do and you love talking about what you do. A podcast is a multifaceted way to be who you are and show who you are, but also have it save you time and build your business and get you clients. It's like the most authentic way to do your marketing. Really the only the only barrier is, you know, if you if you don't have enough income to support a, a company doing it. I really wouldn't suggest running a podcast on your own. It's it's um like it's a lot of work. It's a ton of work. We have an internal podcast for Podigy. Um and we not internal, it's a podcast that the business runs and we outsource everything to our business. So like I don't do everything myself. Um that's that's how much I believe in it. I pay all of the people to do the work just like I suggest other people do. So yeah, um a podcast podcasting is also just blowing up. Um if I wasn't in this business, I would still, and I had the money, I would still have a podcast for my business. 100%. I can say that, um, truthfully, if you want to find us, we're yeah. Podigy podcasts everywhere. But other than that, just, I was happy to just talk and chat and also just not about, not just about business, talked about a lot of stuff. So that was cool. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah. Thanks well, for having me. Yeah. It's been good. Thanks, Justin. Thanks for being here. Let's go. Whoa.